You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. Jeff, Ken, how are you today? Hello. Well caffeinated, how are you? I'm going to be extra sultry today because I'm a little, uh, little under the weather here. You are a little under the weather, um, and is there a reason why your voice is gone? Yeah, so I went to the uh, coffee conglomerate, and I ordered like a fancy drink, and they put strawberry syrup on it instead of caramel syrup, and I had to scream at the barista. Oh, that's not that's, good. That's why. No, not really. I just had a little cold, and then I was out at a, a gathering, and I had to kind of speak loudly, and my voice kind of went after that, so... Did you carry a big stick or small stick, whatever that phrase is? What's that? Yes, yeah, so he now carries a big stick. Speak loudly and carry mm. a big stick. Isn't that the quote? Yeah. Softly. Yeah. Speak loudly, right? Softly. Okay. Softly. <laughs> uh, well, uh, speaking of someone speaking loudly and not speaking loudly today, Matt's not here. Nope. Uh, Matt is actually at SporkleCon, which is going on this weekend of uh, September 25th. Yeah, at time of recording. At time of recording. Uh, and he's uh, helping represent the show over there. So thank you, Matt, for doing that. And hopefully everyone over there is having a great time. Uh, and to our friends at SporkleCon, we were going to uh, appear at the SporkleCon in Vegas, I believe it was, in 2020. Um, but uh, the invitation must have gotten lost in the mail for the 2022 uh, event. Uh, but hopefully, it will not get lost in the Maybe mail. Maybe next time. Maybe next time, because uh, we would love to be there, uh, and we would have we had our bags packed. But it's okay. That's what is happens. That the first time we've actually said where someone is, and it's been legitimate. I feel like we just always make it up. I think it is, but Matt is actually not doing anything at, at SporkleCon. He's in he's in the bubble room just right enjoying. now. Enjoying. Yeah, he's making bubbles at the bubble room. So if you want to go to the bubble room to make they some bubbles bubble with Matt, room? yeah, they I do. wasn't invited. Well, I know. It's a shame. Test, but uh, to, to make up for Matt not well, being Well, hold up. on here. Before yeah. we move on, I think congratulations are in order to one of our people in the studio here. Oh, yeah. Jeff, thank you. Congratulations for no. drinking some coffee. No. This is delicious coffee. You've <laughs> Neil, made, Neil. Neil. Neil is engaged to be married oh, yes, I to am. Colleen. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to you both. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So happy for you guys. Thank you. Yeah, that was a fun weekend. I'll uh, I'll dissect what happened on uh, the the September 2022 crop drop. So there you go. If you want to hear the full story, you, you got to you got to you got to join Patreon to hear it. You got to join Patreon to hear the story, uh, or, or wait until he tells it on the regular podcast. I'm sure inevitably it will. It will, he's, it will he's a come few up. years of stories behind right now, though. So yeah, yeah. I, I haven't gotten to. Uh, I think I've gotten past high school, or maybe I'm into high school. We're, I don't remember. I think we're almost out of the college years. Yes. So, so now it's adult. So it's Neil. about to get good. Yeah, it's, it's about it's, 20 years still to go. It's going to get more embarrassing because I'm an adult, so everything that happens to me should not happen to an adult. Right. 
but we have some special guests here that are going to be making up for the absence of Matt. Uh, our first guest coming to us from West Bloomfield, Michigan, uh, right outside of Detroit, Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, Jeff Faust. How are you, Jeff? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and then who you're going to partner today uh, with and the team name? Sure. Um, well, uh, I am a full-time business intelligence account manager for a property management software, but I do a lot of other things part-time. So I'm a part-time accounting professor at Oakland Community College. I am a part-time community theater actor, and I'm also a part-time podcaster. Oh, wonderful. And I remember you were telling me about your show. Uh, would you like to plug it here to have folks check it out? I absolutely would. Um, so the show that I write and host is called Be Quiz I Said So. It is a knowledge and trivia podcast made for kids. So it's early elementary, probably through early middle school. Sometimes the questions are a little harder. Sometimes they're a little bit easier. Um, it's a quick 10-minute episode, usually once a week. That's All right, so we'll cancel Triviality Junior. Yeah, yeah, right, because we have someone doing it. We, I was actually we were gonna, kicking that around. We were. I was going to ask you, uh, Jeff, Great maybe idea. maybe we can invite you back for the October Patreon bonus, and we'd love for you to give us questions for elementary kids just to see if we could actually get them one-on-one. Oh, sure, absolutely. All right, we'll, we'll make sure to do that for our patrons. We're doing our, our version of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Yes, exactly. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, uh, who are you going to partner with today, and uh, what is your team name? We, we like this one. So I've decided... Because I like game shows and um, I like puns, I decided to partner up with Jeff today, and we are going to be Double Jeopardy. Perfect. Wonderful name. Very, in that case, very much approving of this team name. Mm -hmm. In that case, me and Neil will be the weakest links. We will be the weakest links. But links is spelled like the big cat. Right. <laughs> so we're just a very feeble cat. And the lynx is one of the weakest cats, because it's not as strong as the jaguar. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But uh, to play... We need a host. We need a host. And uh, thankfully, uh, from our friend uh, Caitlin, uh, Joyce Sine, who uh, recommended we meet this person, uh, and we are super excited that we did, coming to us from Cary, North Carolina, right outside of Raleigh, uh, is Megan Munson. How are you, Megan? Great. How are y'all? Great. Did I say, I said it right, right? Raleigh? Raleigh, that's correct. Okay. Halfway through, I, I was getting very uh, <laughs> insecure. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, we love that you're wearing a Triviality crop top that the listeners can't see, yeah. but thank you for wearing that. <laughs> of course, I had to represent. Uh, so yeah, my name is Megan Munson. I am a middle school English teacher here in Cary. Uh, I'm recently engaged as well, so congrats to you, Neil, and let the wedding planning begin. And you. Congrats um, to you as well. Very fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My fiance, Ryan, is downstairs watching after our dog, Lily, and watching football, so they're having a blast themselves. Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, you wrote a game for us today, which we're super excited yeah. to play. Uh, and did you want to give a quick shout out to your trivia team before we get started who uh, uh, helped sure. you play test? Yeah, so my group of our group of friends, our trivia team helped me play test this game. Uh, our name is Team Redundancy Team. So shout out to them. We play every week at Raleigh Brewing Company in Raleigh, North Carolina. Wonderful. And uh, right before we get started, any preference on the rules read today? Mm, classic. All right, so we're going to go to Darren, and uh, let's see uh, what kind of new voices Darren can bring us today. 
The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Darren, thank you for uh, doing the rules read and the uh, sound of a horse. Um, we appreciate it. What does that mean? Well, it's like a horse language. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like that kind of stuff. Okay. It's like yeah. whale noises, but a horse. <laughs> just horses. Um, but, uh, Do you yeah, not but... speak the horse tongue? I don't. <laughs> Um, before we uh, get going, just want to say a shout out to our friend Paul Lawler uh, from Ireland. He was uh, recently in town and we weren't able to meet up with him, but he asked for some recommendations uh, of Chicago for hot dogs and, and food, beef, pizza, all that good stuff. And we gave him a long list. We hope you had a good time, Paul. Uh, speaking of hot dogs, uh, a lot of people consider Chicago to have the best hot dogs. And in honor of the hot dogs and the sausages, uh, I was going to say sausages, but I tried to sausages. I tried to switch my accent. Um, all the sausages. Um, we we got to know how the the sausage is made. So let's throw the game over to Megan and Ken. Let's make that sausage. Let's make that sausage. <laughs> all right. Question one in the category of European capitals. Valletta is the capital of what small island Mediterranean nation? I think we're good. I'm all set. Yeah. So small island nation, Valletta. Did you say Mediterranean? Yes. Okay. What about Crete? So we got three. Yeah, we got basically three options. Cyprus, mm -hmm. Crete, I think is one. And I'm trying to catch Jeff's eye here. I can't remember what the third one is. I'm trying to remember Cyprus because uh, Paul Hollywood, who I love from Great British Bake Off, he did a show where he was in Cyprus. He used to be a baker there. And they did a show in the capital. I'm just trying to remember if Valletta is the capital of Cyprus. I'm going to let you make the call. I was actually talking to Angie about this just the other day. We started watching another series of Bake Off. Yeah. And uh, Paul Hollywood mentioned um, a type of Cypriot food. And I said, you know, Neil actually once pulled the capital of Cyprus out of his butt on the show. I don't think it was Valletta. I, I don't think it was. Him, Let's so. say Crete. I like it. Let's say Crete. Uh, I believe Crete is a Greek isle. But Jeff, you seem to know this right away. And uh, I, I think I think we're on the same page. So, Yeah, I think we are too. Um, it's how I like my uh, liquor or my alcohol. Uh, Malta. Yeah, Malta is correct. Nice job. Well, so it's going to be. Yeah. And so is Crete even in the right range? It's in the right place. Yeah. You're, it's in the Mediterranean. I just believe it's one of the Greek Okay. Isles. As long as we're so in the right not, area. It's not its own nation is what he's saying. Okay. So we're just what are, a bit outside. What are outside. the three? Malta, Cyprus, and what's the other one? I can't. I mean, I can't Wasn't think of another one. one. Okay. There well, might be another one. Yeah. But... I thought there was one more. That's okay. What's question two? All right. Question two. From supporting to star, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is a sequel to the original Black Panther movie coming out in November. Who is reprising her role as Princess Shuri, the sister of the Black Panther, in the sequel, which is focused more on her character in part due to Chadwick Boseman's death? Do you know this one, Jeff? I have an inkling. Okay. I am afraid that I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, though. Give it um, a go. If I feel like it's, we we do play by Jeopardy rules, like so if you have a last name, that will be acceptable. The, um, I think she was in Us, also. She was the one of the lead. Um, I there. I don't. It's I don't think it's La, I don't think it's Lupita Nyong'o. Um, oh, it's not. Okay. Uh, L no, she, no, I can't remember the actress's name though. 
No, I know. I, I think oh. we're thinking of the same person, but that's um, she wasn't um, his sister in the movie. So I can't remember the actress's name though. So I think as a safety, we're just going to say Lupita Nyong'o, even though we think we're wrong. Okay, good guess. She is in the movie. Yep, she is. Um, I pulled the last name right. Yep, Letitia Wright. Letitia. Yeah, correct answer is Letitia Wright. Okay, now on to question three. In the category of California has mountains too. What is the tallest mountain in the 48 contiguous U.S. states? The top 10 tallest mountains in the U.S. are in Alaska, hence the category title. The only mountain that I, comes to mind in California right now is Big Sur. I don't think it's the right answer, but um, it's my best guess if you're okay going with it. Yep, sounds good to me. Uh, we were going to go with uh, Gregor Clegane, um, the mountain, mm -hmm. but uh, I think we're just going to stick with Mount St. Helens because we don't really know. Okay, the correct answer is Mount Whitney, 14,505 right. feet tall. Yeah. And that's in California? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's in like Northern California, like by um, whatever national park you went to. Yosemite. It's close Yosemite. to Yosemite, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question number four is in the category of bye-bye Boris. Boris Johnson resigned in July of this year. What is the name of Britain's new prime minister who was appointed two days before Queen Elizabeth II's death? We can lock in. As a good omen. <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying this morning that I feel really terrible because I do not keep up with current events. And I this is not one that I knew. If she was going to say, you know, when she said Boris, and I was like, oh, I know that's the prime minister of, oh, I guess not anymore. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm just trying to think. She, um, I watched uh, like a couple of her little like little segments of speeches of hers, and uh, she has very odd charisma. If she has. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, it's just funny. That's a great descriptor. You have very odd, odd charisma. charisma. I want to say she has none. But you can't recall her name. I the charisma her. score was. I, I can see her face. I'm just trying to remember. Um. Boy, yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't remember offhand. That's that's a tap from you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this person uh, I, I hear all the time on uh, the BBC minutes, a minute long little update throughout the day. Uh, I got used to it. Uh, almost going to to England last year, and now I'm just kind of listening to it every day for some reason. Uh, English news, but uh, yeah, Liz Truss. Liz Truss. Ugh. Yeah, correct answer. As a friend of mine said, uh, the one with the weird curtsying. Her name is Liz Truss. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's the, her bio on Tinder. It's the weird curtsy and uh, what was it? Charisma? Charisma score eight. Odd, odd, charisma. Yeah, odd charisma and weird odd curtsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Question five in the category of 1900s U.S. presidents. Who is the only American president to have never actually been publicly elected president or vice president? Yeah, we can lock in, Jeff. Hmm. So this is the plot of Designated Survivor with Kiefer Sutherland, right? Yes. Okay. I would expect that it's somebody who took over for a vice president and then became president due to the pre current president's passing. What about the dude um, with the flu or whatever with the speech? Uh, whoever succeeded him. No, uh, you said 19th century. Did you say 1900s or 19th century? 1900s. 1900s. So in terms of Dying in office or resigning, you have Nixon, mm -hmm. so that would be Ford. 
and you'd have Johnson for Kennedy's assassination. And oh, right, I think that's it. Was was Johnson? He wasn't reelected after he turned office, was he? Mm, I think he might have been. Ford, let's say I... let's say Ford, maybe. I like Ford. So to answer your question, yes, um, Johnson was reelected. Um, of course, he really exacerbated Vietnam, and uh, he pretty much lost all political goodwill. So where he could have run for a second term on his own because he hadn't served enough time, uh, I believe they are correct. Uh, Gerald Ford was appointed by Nixon to replace Spiro Agnew, and then when Nixon himself resigned, uh, Gerald R. Ford became the only unelected president. Yep, that's correct. Gerald Ford. Nice job. That's the only president question that I probably would have gotten. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that's it. I was like, my weakness is, well, I have a lot of weaknesses, but presidents definitely is a weakness. And you're, mostly physical. And you're wearing a uh, t-shirt with We the People on the front, too. We the People means everyone. Amen. So, nice. Yeah. After five, it looks like uh, Double Jeopardy, uh, not starring uh, Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd, uh, with 20 points. And uh, The Weakest Links with 30. All right. Question six. Category is, yeah, science. What is the name of the actor who played Jesse Pinkman on the TV show Breaking Bad? He is also known for his roles in BoJack Horseman and Westworld. Uh, I think we can lock in his best role, as far as I'm concerned, is contestant on The Price is Right. I was just going to say that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we can lock in over here with uh, Aaron Paul. Yep. Uh, we also said Aaron Paul. Yep. Aaron Paul is correct. And your favorite movie of his, uh, Megan, is Need for Speed? Do you remember that one? Sure. Nobody remembers <laughs> that. <laughs> no one remembers oh, that. That's why I brought it up. Based on the video game? <laughs> yeah. Ew. Did not do well. I sunk a lot of time in Need for Speed 3, though. Did you? I'll tell you that. Is it an actual game or are you just racing? It's a racing game. It's a racing game, but like there's police, too. So there are tasks, though? You're not just like driving in a circle or anything? No, it's, it's you racing on a... On a like time a, street circuit basically yeah like oh, okay. a street circuit and uh and there's cops i just love to, to think of the writers what they hired and like how are we gonna make an entire movie off of this of driving cars that's yeah. the thing is you could do anything that's because true. the plot of the video game is so loose all right question number seven last category was yeah science so this is called actually science what is the hottest planet in our solar system due to a thick atmosphere that traps heat and leaves the surface around 900 degrees Fahrenheit? Do you know, Jeff? Well, the obvious choice being closest to the sun would be Mercury, but I'm not sure that that is the correct answer. I'm going to lock in for us. I say, if you trust me, I, I think I know it. I I will trust you. Okay. Yeah. We're locked saying, in. You're saying Venus, Jeff? I am. Hopefully you we guys both, are too. We both say Venus, yeah. Because it. Yeah. <laughs> it has it has a runaway greenhouse effect. Uh, that's basically. how I was going to describe it. Well done. Yep, that is correct. Venus is the correct answer. Nice job. What does runaway greenhouse mean? So you know how we have we have uh, a warming climate here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, they have the same on Venus. Except they've been at it for a, a while. Yeah. So the the planet itself is just producing so much greenhouse gas that it's like basically just heated the planet to oh, I see. enormous proportion. To the point where um, you can boil lead on the surface. Wow. To be fair, it also has enormous pressure from the greenhouse gases. So, Much like Jeff's bowel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, let's get the next one. Awkward charisma. <laughs> 
let's move on to question eight, shall we? In the category of Southern cooking, hominy is coarsely ground corn that is used to make what Southern dish? You got this, Jeff? I'm all set. All right, yeah, we're going to we'll lock in. Uh, it's got to be... I, uh, think, I think I know this one from uh, my cousin Vinny, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. What the hell is a grit? It's got to be grits. Because yeah, I remember so. I had grits on a film set once in Atlanta for the first time, and I ate, and I was like, what are grits? And I'm like, oh, just eat them. It doesn't matter. So I'm eating them. I'm like, there's so, it seems like there's corn in here. And I isn't, can't... isn't hominy what a, like a cartoon coyote says when he sees a beautiful woman? Hominy, 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 hominy. hominy, hominy. Yeah. I I'm, thought that was the um, the prayer done in Catholic services. <laughs> I'm fine with, with corn, though. If it's you want to go homily. With, or with grits, I mean. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, there's lots of different ways you can prepare it, but uh, me being from the north, lots of butter, it's grits. Yep, grits is the correct answer. What's your preferred way of grits, Megan? Um, butter, cheese, hot sauce. Oh, okay. Nice. A savory, savory combination. We should do some triviality grits, because I don't know, if, like I said, the last time I had it was probably like six years ago. So we'll try it. All right, question number nine. Bring it home, North Carolina sports is the category title. The NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets, were around for 14 years before moving to New Orleans and later returning in 2014, thanks to North Carolina legend Michael Jordan. From 2004 to 2014, what was the mascot of the NBA team based in Charlotte? Do you remember when I said that presidents was my weakness? I forgot about sports. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know this one, actually, bizarrely. I think Ken is correct, because that was the name I was going to come up with. And I, if it's the same, we're either both wrong or we're both right. Am I going to get a sports question right? An NBA one to boot? NBA? Unheard of. So, Jeff, your partner, Jeff, uh, has said that the NBA is his best category. I, I don't believe that either of us have said that. <laughs> um. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so let's see. They moved to New Orleans, became the Pelicans. Yeah, I think we're going to have to tap. Okay. Yeah, we, we couldn't come up with that. I'm curious to see what you guys said. Uh, maybe we just have wild cats on the, on the brain because we're the weakest links, but we said bobcats. Yeah, they were the Charlotte Bobcats oh. from 2004 to 2014. Mm -hmm. I might have known that because you know how I'm a fan of like bizarre logos and team names and colors and stuff. Yeah. Because I really like the Hornets logo. So I was like, whatever happened to them? Yeah. The green and purple. Bobcats. like Boring. <laughs> yeah, they didn't stick around for too long. Michael Jordan said we need to bring the Hornets back. And they did. I love that that Hornets uh, logo. The and, retro one. Yeah, back in the 90s when it was like that teal or whatever, turquoise. And, and I, purple. Yeah, I had one of those starter purple, jackets. Yeah. Who didn't? I mean, that yeah. was like the the uh, Barney the one. The Barney Raptors yeah. like colors. Like, you got to go for so it. I didn't even like them. I just love the colors. and Yeah. All right. So this will be the last question of the first round. Question number 10. In the category of wild and wonderful national parks. The country's newest national park is the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve, which was established in December of 2020. New River Gorge is located in what state? No idea. Do you know? The New River Gorge. Well, first of all, what is a gorge? It's like a, <laughs> like a canyon. Okay. Kind of. Is it like a canyon? I think so. Maybe we look for a state that has a lot of gorges. Let's just say Nevada. I like that. I don't know. Nevada. Home of the gorgeous gorges. Well, I 
in my podcast, I literally just did an episode maybe four weeks ago about national parks. And I know that I said the newest one when it started, but did I say where it was? I'm trying to think back into my brain of, of what I said. I found a lot of information about national parks. Um, River Gorge, River Gorge. Like the Tennessee. Okay. uh, Area. That makes sense to me because I was thinking maybe like West Virginia. I was kind of thinking in that like central East. Yeah. West Virginia is a good guess. Okay. They are, they are the Mountaineers after all. Right. Something. Barbara Streisand, big fan of national parks and of gorges, because of her famous quote, "Hello, gorges." Yes, I was, I was hoping you'd say that. Anyways, you guys are saying West Virginia, we're saying Nevada. Yeah, so the category was called Wild and Wonderful National Parks because mm. on the license plate of West Virginia it says Wild Wonderful. Correct answer is West Virginia. Great poll, guys. All right, so at the end of the first round, uh, Team Double Jeopardy. Uh, picking up 40 extra points, bringing their total to 60. And uh, Team The Weakest Links also picking up 40 points, uh, bringing their total to 70. So uh, narrowing the lead there uh, going into the swing round. Uh, and, uh, yeah, before we go to the swing round, uh, thank you to all our patrons for helping support the show and uh, keeping us going. Uh, if you'd like to join all of our wonderful patrons to get a bunch of extra audio content uh, as well as some uh, fun you know, crop drops and uh, stickers and boxes and all the good stuff. You can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast. Uh, anything to add, uh, Jeff or Ken, on that note? That is all. Thank you both. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Megan, uh, what do you have in store for us today with the swing round? Sure. So I'm going to give you all a short summary of a classic work of either American, British, or French literature. There might be some of my opinions sprinkled in there. I'm also going to give you the year that the book was written in. I want you to name the title of the book that I'm describing. Cool. All right. Sounds good enough. Okay. Number one, the year 1856, a French book about a woman who has two affairs because she thinks that her husband is boring. Number two, 1813. A book about a pouty man who eventually wins over the whip-smart girl after wearing her down and ignoring their differences in wealth. Number three, 1952. A sad book about fishing and cutting your losses. Number four, 1844. A French book about revenge, parading a life of excess and love that doesn't end the way you think and has a surprisingly casual mention of cross-dressing. Number five, 1850. An American book about the love of a sweet, devoted woman and the dismal, pious man she happens to love. Number six, 1954. A British book about privileged boys who suddenly have to work together. Imagine that. They solved their problems the old-fashioned way, through power and violence. If the storyline had featured young girls instead, I wonder if things would have happened differently. Number 7, 1818. A book about a crazed doctor who ignores his son, who he never even names. Number 8, 1925. A book about a dream-chasing man who throws lavish parties in the hopes that his ex will show up. Number 9, 1960, 
a book about how we should not hurt anything innocent, but we do because people really stink sometimes. And then number 10, 1949, a book about a man who eventually admits he loves his big brother, even though his brother treated him poorly. All right, we have the descriptions. We'll be right back with our answers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers from the swing round are now locked in. Let's throw it back to Megan and hear those clues one more time. Sure. The first one is from the year 1856, a French book about a woman who has two affairs because she thinks her husband is boring. Uh, here's one I remember reading in high school. Um, and Jeff says it's not French, but it seemed kind of French to me. Uh, we said The Awakening. Yeah. So we were thinking that it was a double identity thing. And so we went with Madame Bovary. Yeah. Correct answer is Madame Bovary by Gustave Laubert. I believe Chopin was from Louisiana, which I think is where you're getting the French from. Yeah. All right. And then the second one is from 1813, a book about a pouty man who eventually wins over the whip smart girl after wearing her down and ignoring their differences in wealth. Ken uh, held my hand when we wrote this answer and my other hand was straining uh, in just <laughs> nerves. Uh, and we locked in with Pride and Prejudice. Uh, we two said Pride and Prejudice. That's right. Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. So a little quick story uh, from high school. <laughs> oh, I played Ooh. I played Mr. Collins in Pride and Prejudice, the creepy, uh, um, oh, yeah. I don't even know what you'd call him, like a man of the clergy who's trying to chase after Elizabeth Bennet. And I did a really weird accent, but I stayed in character the entire time. Did you do that, that one accent that I like? <laughs> Which one? It smells of coriander. It was close to that. My, this is literally my accent, and I would not drop the accent while we performed all week. And I was like... Hello, ladies. It's Mr. Collins here. Look, yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. So I did that accent, and then that was the play that uh, during rehearsals, my friend threw a, a, a long football pass, and I ran full speed into a tree. Do, do the line that I love. Um, <laughs> his perfume smelled of oak, almonds, and coriander. Thank you. There you go. All right. Question three. The year is 1952. A sad book about fishing and cutting your losses. We said the old man in the sea. 
We also went with The Old Man in the Sea. Yes, The Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. All right, number four, 1844, a French book about revenge parading a life of excess and love that does not end the way you think and has a surprisingly casual mention of cross-dressing. I believe this is kind of Monte Cristo. We were having trouble placing the cross-dressing, and then it occurred to me, I think there's some some uh, ladies dressing as men in that, so... Yeah, um, just based on the approximate year and the word revenge and French, we said Count of Monte Cristo. That is correct. Count of Monte Cristo, Alexander Dumas. Yeah, the cross-dressing is a very minor character, a lady who's supposed to get married and she doesn't want to. She runs away and she dresses a man. So it's very minor. Yeah. All right, number five, 1850, an American book about the love of a sweet, devoted woman and the dismal, pious man she happens to love. This one we were kind of discussing back and forth. We were kind of latching on to the word pious, uh, and we just thought the time period seemed right, so we said Scarlet Letter. We also went with the Scarlet Letter. Yes, the dismal, pious man is Reverend Dimsdale, the Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. That's correct. Neil, is that why you're back to Act 2 is the giant A? It is. It's because of that book, specifically. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. All right, number six, 1954. A British book about privileged boys who suddenly have to work together. Imagine that. They solve their problems the old-fashioned way through violence and power. If the storyline had featured young girls instead, I wonder if things would have happened differently. Not as happy as the SpongeBob episode with the magic conch, uh, but we said Lord of the Flies. Can I have it now so I can talk? No? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yep, Lord of the Flies, William Golding, that's correct. Number seven, 1818, a book about a crazed doctor who ignores his son, who he never even names. Frankenstein with modern Prometheus. Yeah, we also picked up on the clue about not naming your son, and we also went with Frankenstein. Yes, that's correct. Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. Indeed. Just called him the creature the entire book. So but like, really uh, have a name. Like Matt with all of us when we record. Yeah. All right. Number eight, 1925, a book about a dream-chasing man who throws lavish parties in the hopes that his ex will show up. A book I casually read in one fell swoop last year while substitute teaching, Great Gatsby. Yeah, we agree. We said The Great Gatsby. All right. Thank you for substitute teaching as a public school teacher. Correct answer is The Great Gatsby It's great. F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's great to do that because then when the kids complain about like having to read a chapter, just be like, I just read the whole book today. So just do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Number nine, 1960, a book about how we should not hurt anything innocent, but we do because people really stink sometimes. Uh, we tossed around uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, but eventually we went with Silent Spring. Yeah, we um, actually just landed on To Kill a Mockingbird, so that's our answer. Correct answer is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. All right, last one, number 10, 1949. A book about a man who eventually admits he loves his big brother, even though his brother treated him poorly. Uh, we didn't know this one. Um... And I think we missed a joke, uh, but we said Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, I remember um, the book being written in a square, which is 
pretty heavily security ridden now, and uh, we said 1984. Yep, 1984 by George Orwell, indeed. Yeah, Big Brother was a nice uh, clue there. Yep, Big Brother, indeed. And then it was written in 1948, going back to what y'all were talking about, published in 1949. Yeah, I always remember the published year because I just invert the, the four. After the swing round, it looks like Team The Weakest Links is only going to pick up 35 points, uh, bringing our total to 105. Uh, but uh, Double Jeopardy uh, playing perfect that round, picking up 50 points, bringing their total to 110 and a lead going into the second round. But uh, don't worry, guys, you're not too far behind. Uh, so not yet ready to say that's the way the sausage crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round two, question number 11. Let's start round two with a bang. What is the name of the pub in the 2004 movie Shaun of the Dead that he and his roommates say they should go to during a zombie <laughs> outbreak to grab a pint and wait for this all to blow over? Just rewatched this movie a couple months ago. Yeah, we're good. <clears throat> Love Edgar Wright. Uh, Jeff, do you know this one? I don't, so go right ahead. All right. First, we're going to go, we're going to get mom, and then blah, 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 blah. We're going to go to the Winchester. Uh, where the dogs I, can look up. I believe where the soup of the day is bread. That's a uh, hot fuzz. I know. Uh, yeah, the Winchester. Yes, correct answer is Winchester. That's why we said let's start round two with a bang. Number 12, category is called a Himalayan kingdom. What is the name of the tiny landlocked country that is surrounded by China and India? Bangladesh and Nepal are nearby, but they do not share a border. Yeah, Jeff and I um, are going to uh, lock in and answer here. I think uh, we're in agreement. I love Geography. that it sounds like he's playing himself with himself. Yeah, Geography yeah. That's the title is section. Jeff's subject. Um, I think he over-explained a previous question on one of our other games and uh, might have revealed that the other landlocked country in this region might be Bhutan. Okay. So that's what we'll see. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we also went with Bhutan. Thanks, Jeff. Yes, Bhutan is correct. I think we were talking about their flag because it's the one with the dragon on it. No, we were talking about landlocked countries. Oh, no, that was um, doubly landlocked. We were talking about... Um... Yeah. So Jeff's over-explaining helped us. Yes. <laughs> good. In the future. In the future. All right. Question 13. The category is not your average college meal. Tonkatsu ramen is a type of ramen dish that typically is stewed with and features what protein? You're good, Jeff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. I ordered tonkatsu like once a week. Yeah, so I was working at a ramen restaurant over the pandemic and delivering to Jeff tonkatsu ramen about once a week. So pork. Yep, uh, we locked in with pork. Pork is correct. All right, question 14 in the category of sports. David Ortiz, also called Big Poppy, is one of the most famous MLB players of the, of the last 20 years. He famously played 13 successful seasons for the Boston Red Sox. He did, however, play for five seasons with a different team from 1997 to 2002. What was this team? Neil, care to lock in? I can lock in for us. I'm, I'm trying to think. I just always associate him with Boston, but we'll lock in. Uh, I'm just, I'll take a stab. I'm going to say the Baltimore Orioles because I have no idea. I always associate uh, 
Big Poppy with uh, the Red Sox. So I'm I'm not too sure. I know I should know this. Uh, I'm just going to go with an American League team because uh, I feel like I don't remember him being in the National League. So uh, we're going to say he was a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they're in the American League. I don't know. I think so. All right. Correct answer was the Minnesota Twins. Ooh, oh. so close. Just over the border. Yeah. All right, number 15 in the category of nostalgic television. What sitcom starts Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy in a Midwestern take on the Brady Bunch? The show ran for seven seasons from 1991 to 1998. Jeff, looks like you and I are both in on this. Wonderful. Absolutely. I spent many a year living in a van in my uncle's backyard. So Down by the river? Just uh, step by step. Day by day, yeah. Uh, step by step. This was like the one that I didn't want to watch in that TGF lineup. Yeah, it was definitely in that really great TGIF lineup with Family Matters and um, whatever else was on there. I can't remember. Full House at one point. But yeah, Step by Step for sure. So yeah, we also went with uh, Step by Step. Yes, that is correct. Step by Step. Patrick Duffy. I think they did a fun thing with him on, was it uh, uh, Robot Chicken or South Park maybe I'm thinking. Anyway, uh, after five questions in the second round, uh, the teams are staying equal, both picking up 40 points, uh, which brings uh, the uh, double jeopardy to 150 and us over here at the weakest links at 145. All right. Number 16. The category is called The Day Alaska Turned Blue. What is the name of the Democratic politician who defeated Sarah Palin for the Alaskan Congressional House of Representatives seat in the beginning of September? No. I saw so much news about this and I read every article and then I just like don't even know. I did too. I feel bad. Liz Truss. I was engaging in, in more schadenfreude watching the disappointment video of the realization that they lost. But I'm, I'm well informed and I just can't, yeah. can't remember names. I can't remember names either. Um, I'm trying to, she, she is a native Alaskan and, oh my God, what is her name? Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, her first name is Mary. Her first name is Mary. Oh, I remember. Uh, Mary Peltola. Okay. Cool. Mary Peltola. That's what we're going to lock in with. Good poll. We can't remember. So we're, we're out. Johnson. Yeah, that was a great pull, Jeff. Correct answer, Mary Peltola. Very nice. Wow, Politola of the game. (laughs) I hate that that's the way I'm going to remember it. (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. All right, question 17 in the category of Southern Agriculture. Former President Jimmy Carter was known for many things, including that he came from a farming family in Georgia. The Carter family ran a farm growing what product? Love it. One I actually know about presidents. Peanuts. I love to raise peanuts. (laughs) Neil was born in Georgia. I was. So on a peanut farm. (laughs) That's why that's why I'm in downtown Atlanta in a hospital. Well, the room, it's a ward. It's just all pe- made of peanuts. It was full of peanut bags. Yeah. Of course it was full of peanuts. There was all little kids in there. Little peanuts. <laughs> what? Um, do you not also call children peanuts in I, an endearing fashion? I, I, I feel like if Jeff was a politician and he went to like events, he'd be like, oh, look at this little peanut. I feel like here. he'd be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Go in 1968 Democratic National Convention on people. The man will not stop kissing children on the head. Um you, did you go peanuts as well, Jeff? 
Uh, Jeff, I believe we were in agreement yep. it was peanuts. Yeah. All right. We're yep. all peanuts here. <laughs> yep. Correct answer is peanuts. Do you think a peanut Indeed. farm smells like something? Do peanuts smell? I don't know. I don't think they have much of an odor, especially if they're like shelled peanuts. This is where you garden uh, peanut butter. Un unshelled. Unshelled peanut butter? De not deshelled. Whatever that word is. Peanuts. We know nothing about peanuts here. Isn't it shelled? Like, is, I think shelled shell, means shell remove something. them, right? So I don't know what oh, they're right. called yeah, yeah. when they're not Husk, shelled yet. Husked. <laughs> Pre-shelled. <laughs> yeah, whole. Shucked. <laughs> whole peanuts. That's the word. Thanks, Megan. Apologies <laughs> to all of our uh, peanut farmers who listen to the show who are just rolling in their their uh, podcast rooms. Their, their peanuts. Their peanuts. And their peanut money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number 18. The category is called, I'm going to need another drink. My fiance Ryan has been homebrewing since the start of the pandemic in 2020. So this question is directly from him. Which specific ingredient determines the difference between an ale and a lager? My first thought is hops. Does that sound right? Well, yeah, I was thinking, so an IPA, um, a pale ale is very hoppy and it has hops, but I don't know if uh it was a lager, is that what we said? A lager? Yeah. No. A lager. I, I don't know if lagers have hops in them, but I do know that ales do. Are you comfortable going with that? Because I don't know much about beer. Yeah. Okay. We are going to lock in with hops. I would think that they both have hops as like the base, but I think a lager might have the addition of wheat. So we said wheat. All right, so the correct answer is the type of yeast. Oh. oh. I was like, they both have yeast, right? They do. It's just so apparently bottom fermenting yeast is what's used in a lager and top fermenting yeast oh. is what's used in an ale. Interesting. So does your fiance, uh, he makes different types of home brews now. Are you sampling all of them? Oh, yes. It's been a lot of fun. And does, does he have like really cool names for them at all yet or no? No, no, we're keeping it pretty vanilla because we're not trying. He's not trying to, you know, market it or sell it anywhere. So he's just like, this is a cherry wheat. But you like, got to You got to name it. That's the I best part. That. That's yeah, the best part. Exactly. Well, I add, agree. Maybe both of you are and ask him too. like maybe you can name one after Triviality somehow. And it'll be our official. <gasps> oh, yeah. Our official brew. It'd be a Netherlands style Dutch boy. Yeah. the <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Neil's uh, favorite, of course, is a Pilsner, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. So our next beer is going to be a Triviality representing. Sounds, sounds great. Good. All right. Cool. Number 19 is in the category of good old North Carolina boys. What is the name of the Southern folk rock band known for such song songs as No Hard Feelings, Murder in the City, and I and Love and You? They are originally from Concord, North Carolina, outside of Charlotte. All right, so we really don't have a good idea on this one, so we're just going to lock in with some trash, trash tier. What comes to mind? So I don't, I don't know. I wasn't thinking something old. I was actually thinking something more modern, like um, – because that's been more, there's like been a lot of resurgence of like folk, you know, country um, rock bands. And so I, I don't know why and I don't know where they're from, but like the the style and maybe this will help, like maybe you'll get some ideas from it. But I was thinking like the Lumineers, 
Okay. You know how there's like a lot of like banjos and a lot of like, I'm, but it's honestly, rock, I'm, but... I'm fine with that. All, all the the southern rock bands I was thinking of in the '70s, none of them came out of North Carolina. I could think of a few from Georgia and even a couple from like Louisiana and Florida and all that. But yeah, if you want to go like something like that more modern, I think that's that's a perfectly good way to go. So okay, um, yeah, then I guess we'll go with the Lumineers. Yeah, we wrote down the Lumineers, but unsure. We also wrote down Alabama Shakes, thinking the name was kind of a joke, um, but we went with Lumineers. Okay, so no points here. The correct answer is the Avett Brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, I've heard of them. Every time I used to go into Starbucks, actually, I think when I worked there, they were always hawking Avett Brothers albums. Okay. Yeah. It's a good guess, though. But we all know the best band from North Carolina. He is legend. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Um, Charlie Daniels. No. He is legend. Who wrote Devil Went Down to Georgia. Is this your favorite uh, <laughs> band, Megan? Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. They're great. They're awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, number 20 is in the category of Sweet Chili O-Mine Burger of the Day. Bob's Burgers is one of my favorite shows, so of course I had to include oh a question referencing Bob's Burgers. Lynn, kids, please. <laughs> The show features a family of five as they try to run a burger restaurant in coastal New Jersey. Of the five main members of the Belcher family, which of the characters is the only one who's voiced by a woman? I need the character name, but I'll give you a bonus five points if you know the voice actress's name as well. I can put you out of your agony, Jeff. I've got both. Thank you. Thank you. Give me one second. Although I want to see if the name in my head is the right one or not. So I know the actress's name, but I don't watch the show whatsoever. It's it's this. I feel like it's like K something S. S last name. Wait, S. Uh, Kristen Shaw. There you go. Yeah, K-S. there you go. K S. <laughs> Son of a B. All right, so we have locked in with Luis as a character and Kristen Shaw as the actress after some thought. Yeah, um, all of the others are voiced uh, by men, uh, including um, Tina, who's my favorite. And um, we said Louise Belcher, who's voiced by Kristen Schaal. Oh, my God, kids, please. <laughs> Ken doing his best. H. John Benjamin over there. It's, it's extra good today because I'm a little sick. <laughs> yep, the correct answer is Kristen Schaal. Louise is the character name. So Louise Kristen Schaal is the actress's name. Nice job. At the end of regulation, it looks like Team The Weakest Links uh, picking up 25 points, which includes the five bonus points of the last question, bringing our toll to 170. But uh, furthering their lead going into the final round is Double Jeopardy, who picked up 35 points, including that bonus question, bringing their total to 185. So what are our categories, Megan, for the final? Yes. So the five categories are Washington, Minnesota, Colorado, Virginia, in North Carolina. The wagers are now in for the categories, and uh, we're going 15s all the way down at Team Lynx. And uh, the other team, the Jeffs, uh, 30s all the way down. We'll see which strategy pays off. So I hope we... these are hard. <laughs> Washington is the category. What famous African-American musician from Seattle, Washington, was known here in the States for his famous covers and being a member of the 27 Club. 
he achieved more success in the UK during his short career. Number two, Minnesota. Minnesota is a beautiful state known for its many lakes and naturally preserved areas. There are many state parks in Minnesota, but only one national park, which is close to the Canadian border. What is the name of that one national park in Minnesota? I would love to go on a trip to this park. Number three, Colorado. Colorado obviously has many beautiful mountains that make it a popular destination for outdoor recreational activities. There are many 14ers in the state, meaning mountains that are more than 14,000 feet tall. How many 14ers are in the state? And I'll give you a plus or minus six for this one. Number four, Virginia. Virginia obviously had a strong influence in colonial times as it has been home to many presidents. Specifically, how many U.S. presidents have been born in Virginia? Half of them were founding fathers, and I'll give you plus or minus one for this one. All right, number five, North Carolina. What is the name of the country's longest running outdoor drama, which has been playing in Manio, North Carolina since 1937? The play depicts the first settlement in the United States, which was ultimately unsuccessful. The play title alludes to the nickname of this colony. State legend Andy Griffith spent a few summers starring in it as Sir Walter Raleigh. All right, those are the questions, and we'll be right back with the answers. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey, people. Guess what? We're back. And we have our answers. So let's have the questions one more time, see how we did. I think it's going to be another big L for the links. Spoiler alert. It felt like a real nice fireside chat. Like, hey, y'all, how you doing? Let's talk about the uh, state of things. Read some poetry. All right. Well, speaking of the state of things, our categories were all states. These were specifically states that I traveled to in the last year. So I wanted to oh, give cool. a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. North Carolina, though. I mean, I had to include that just because it's my home state and everything. Uh, so the first one is Washington. 
What famous African-American musician from Seattle was known here for his famous covers and being a member of the 27 Club? He achieved more success in the UK during his short career. Yeah, we wagered uh, 15 all the way down, as Ken said before. Um, we think this is a person who uh, was always uh, part of an experience. We said Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, we also um, thought with the 27 Club um, and African American, we went with Jimi Hendrix. Yes, that is correct. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, we went to Seattle. Ryan and I went to Seattle for spring break last year, and we went to the Pop Culture Museum that's there, which was amazing, totally worth every penny. And there was a section for Jimi Hendrix, and we had no clue that he was from there. And um, it was really awesome. We got to see his guitar from Woodstock and everything. It was great. That's awesome. And I believe uh, a friend of mine uh, sent a picture from the Pop Culture Museum. They actually carry uh, Being Patrick Swayze there. Mm. So you can find it. Very cool. Yeah. You wrote a book? Yeah. We haven't talked about it in a while. It feels like it's been years. (laughs) All right, let's get the next one. Sure. Number two, Minnesota. Minnesota is a beautiful state known for its many lakes and naturally preserved areas. There are many state parks in Minnesota, but only one national park, which is close to the Canadian border. What is the name of that one national park in Minnesota? I would love to go on a trip to this park. So uh, she said, I'd love to go on a trip, a trip. So we said maybe something falls. <laughs> Since we couldn't think of a clever answer, that's, we just said Sioux Falls. That's funny. I like it. Sioux Falls, not in Minnesota, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so we also kind of picked up on the clue, but uh, Jeff got this one, um, and we think it's uh, Voyager's National Park. Uh, named after the Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, correct answer is Voyager's National Park. Okay, good to know. Indeed. All right. Number three, Colorado. Colorado obviously has many beautiful mountains that make it a popular destination for outdoor recreational activities. There are many 14ers in the state, meaning mountains that are more than 14,000 feet tall. How many 14ers are in the state? And I'm giving you a plus or minus six for this one. Boy, no idea. So we just kind of did the game theory guess and said 46. Yeah, we we also didn't have a solid number, so we went with 60. All right, Double Jeopardy is getting the point Get here. <laughs> Correct answer is 58. So the range of 52 to 64 is okay with me. Future's looking bleak, Neil. It's looking very bleak. Finding your way down to Bleecker Street. There you go. <laughs> All right, our fourth question is Virginia. Virginia obviously had a strong influence in colonial times as it has been home to many presidents. Specifically, how many U.S. presidents have been born in Virginia? Half of them were founding fathers, plus or minus one. Uh, We guessed four were founding fathers and we multiplied it by two and we said eight. Yep, we also went with eight. Yes, eight is the correct number. Nice job. So those eight who were born in Virginia, not necessarily raised, grew up in Virginia, but born in Virginia were George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, Zachary Taylor, and Woodrow Wilson. All right. And then our last question, North Carolina. 
What is the name of the country's longest running outdoor drama, which has been playing in Manteo, North Carolina since 1937? The play depicts the first settlement in the United States, which was ultimately unsuccessful. The play title alludes to the nickname of this colony. State legend Andy Griffith spent a few summers starring in it as Sir Walter Raleigh. Now I hear a nickname in the question, so we're probably not right, but we thought the play could simply be called Roanoke. Maybe with like an exclamation point at the end. Yeah, and a lot of Roanoke. A lot of whistling. Yeah. (laughs) We weren't 100% sure, but we think that it might be have the nickname of The Lost Colony. So we went with The Lost Colony. Correct answer is The Lost Colony. Nice job. Yeah, he grew up on the beautiful Outer Banks of North Carolina, watched this play every summer, um, went to a camp for this play one summer that had all the actors and crew members. And as kids, you put on your own mini version of the play. And I just had to share this story. Um, I was in like eighth grade. My sister was in sixth grade and she was cast as Queen Elizabeth, very royal and regal. And I was cast as Old Tom, who was the town drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Who had more lines, though? She did, but I had more time. I had more laughs out of the there crowd. There you go. So. And now you have your yeah, own. Right. Your own. Uh, your whole... sister was going for gasps because laughs are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your your sister didn't grow up to have your own homebrew at home, so now you can actually be the town drunk you if go. you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Megan also has a weird <laughs> habit of going around and just carving random things into trees. So. <laughs> at the end of the game, it looks like the weakest links unfortunately didn't have enough uh, claw power to uh, claw back into this game. We lost 15 points in the final round, bringing our total to 155. And uh, today, uh, it looks like Double Jeopardy picking up uh, 150 points, batting perfect in the final round, bringing their score to 335 points, which means they are today's cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Well done, Jeff. Thank you for being an excellent teammate. Um, there, you had some excellent pulls in there. You, uh, you can't stand up to that kind of power, Neil, you know? You can't. You can't. Not double Jeffrey. Not two Jeffs. You, Single Jeffrey, maybe. One Jeff you could take down, maybe. Two Jeffs. Double Jeffrey. Uh, and uh, Jeff, um, we loved having you here, and uh, it was so much fun having you on the show. Not You're... you, Jeff. Oh, you, I was going to say thank you. Not but... our Jeff. Um, <laughs> but um, we'd love for you to, uh, if you have any final words or shout-outs, obviously we're, we're going to be checking out Bequiz I Said So, and, and we'd love to have you back on uh, one of our Patreon bonuses to test if we are as smart as the elementary uh, students who uh, possibly listen to your show. But, uh, yeah, any final words from you? Um, thank you so much for having me on here. I've been looking forward to doing this for quite a while and, uh, yeah, check out because I said so wherever you can find your podcasts. And, uh, if this episode happens to air before, um, November, then I encourage everyone, please register and vote, um, like your life depends on it because some of them do. Thank you. Wise, uh, wise advice for everyone listening at home. And uh, Megan, uh, thank you so much for putting together this game. Such uh, great questions across a wide range of topics. Uh, we loved it. Uh, anyone you. you'd like to shout out to? Any final words? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been listening since 2018, so this was fun to finally write a game and come on the show. This has been great. Yeah, it's been nice to put a face to all your voices that I've been hearing for the past four years. Uh, So giving a shout out to my fiance, Ryan, who's downstairs, and our dog, Lily, of course. Uh, My friend, Caitlin, who introduced me to all of y'all and got uh, started with writing and setting up this game. Shout out to Caitlin. Um, team redundancy team, my team back home. 
and uh, my coworker friends, Claire and Matt, who are listening in and who introduced me to the show in the first place. So thank you. Awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you to all of those wonderful people uh, who we know and who hopefully we'll meet uh, in the near future. Please tell Ryan uh, to get working on that Triviality Brew for us. That'd be great. <laughs> Got uh, it. But yeah, thank you both for, for joining us today. Uh, we do want to mention uh, this podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you want to go and listen to some other great shows like Good Job Brain, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, as well as shows like Redacted History and uh, the movies that made me, you can go to airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe and uh, join us over there. We're so excited to be part of the network. And that's going to be our show for today. So thank you to Jeff and Megan for joining us. Uh, For Matt, Jeff, and Ken, my name is Neil, and we will see you next time on Triviality. I think I came up with the name for the beer. It's Lowbrow. That perfectly describes our show. (laughs) Sorry, y'all cut out there. Yeah, you cut out. Scarlet Letter. Scarlet Letter. Scarlet letter. Not back yet. Scarlet oh. letter. Scarlet letter. Okay. Scarlet okay, letter. Now we can hear okay. you. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs>